There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Can I rant for a sec? I'm used to that, so go ahead. Pay apps are way too public. <laughs> what happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people could see my entire history, who I'm paying, like their full names. It's super weird. Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, then how are you paying people? What are you doing? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, before we get started with today's mismatch, we just want to give you a heads up that in the middle of the podcast, the news broke that Paul George was going to be unavailable for the play-in game. We obviously talked about the play-in game with Paul George being available, but you will hear as the news breaks in the middle of the podcast that Paul George is going to be unavailable for the game. So. That analysis on the play-in game, that is no longer valid. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland. Kevin O Cannabis, Kevin O Intermittent, Kevin <laughs> Berno, it's the play-in tournament. How you doing, man? It is the play-in <laughs> tournament. We have two more games tonight that are going to decide our last two <sighs> playoff teams. It is going to come down to the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks uh, tonight, and then it is going to come down between the Los Angeles Clippers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's hit those first. So we got here by Brooklyn defeating the Cavaliers and by the Pelicans defeating the San Antonio Spurs, neither of which were good games at all. And on the Cleveland front, their game against Brooklyn, you know, they outscored them 88 to 75 over the last three quarters. 
but it was of no consequence because they got blasted at the beginning of the game. You know, when it's 40 to 20, it was just too big of a hill to climb. But I was, I think of, of those games, I was probably uh, more impressed of them as a losing team, certainly much more impressed than I was with, say, the Hornets, right? Because that you can start getting blasted and it can go one of two ways. And with the Hornets, it was a pack it in, throw your mouth guard in the crowd. And with the, <laughs> with the Cavs, they kept playing all the way to the final buzzer. They kept going. And they did that without Jared Allen, who they're very hopeful they could have back uh, for this play-in game. He's been going through some walkthroughs and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, I didn't leave feeling badly, let's start with that one, about the Cavs. You know, I've I've felt so bad about them, for them, this year, once they just got destroyed with injuries. They had great record, uh, one of the best stories in the NBA. And then, you know, it started with the Rubio loss. They lost Rubio, Rubio and Love, and that bench unit had been so outstanding for them. And then they got hit with the injury bug, and of course, the the Jared Allen thing was just a bridge too far. Um, but they keep on playing hard. I'll give them that. And they got a game against Atlanta where everybody in the free world thinks Atlanta, I think, is just going to go and mop them and be the playoff team, and we're going to get Atlanta versus the Heat. Uh, what do you make of it after we watch those first two play-in games featuring uh, these teams that are playing tonight? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm interested in, in your your take there, Chris, on that Cavs Nets game because you're right. That first quarter, Nets just blow them out, forty to twenty, in the first quarter, and then after that, Cleveland looked pretty good. Yeah, they did. After that, they looked pretty good. Um, ob- obviously, all the points count towards the end score, and that's why they lost the game. <laughs> but but ultimately, like with this Cleveland team, though, Darius Garland, man, he. I didn't vote him as my top three and most improved player because I thought he was really good last year and he was just better this year, but not most improved. But he has taken a leap, though. Like the, his, the control, his ability to create his own shot, 34 points in that game, taking 24 shots. He can have even bigger nights. In a matchup tonight against Trey Young, I feel like you're saying everybody assumes you know the Hawks were going to wipe the floor. That's because people know Trey. They respect Trey. We've seen Trey have a playoff run in him before. Well, this is Darius Garland's chance. This is Darius Garland's chance here to get himself on that map on a national radar so people have respect for the Cavs because with this Cleveland roster, you got that go-to presence in Garland and you have this, you know, the force of defenders with Evan Mobley. Hopefully you get Jared Allen back. And this team has all the pieces to win a game in, in, against Atlanta. Can they win a first-round series? No, I, I don't think they can beat the Heat, but they can be competitive, and this is an opportunity for that team to show that. Radically different team without Allen. I mean, it killed oh, them. So much. They were they were 7-12 and 12 Dude, without Jared him. Allen. They needed him. I'm almost surprised he didn't play. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe, I was maybe too. They, maybe they felt it wasn't worth risk of re-injury against Brooklyn, considering they're Brooklyn. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't an expectation. I mean, he just must have felt like he was not going to be able to be Jared Allen. Yeah, but if he, I feel like I would understand more if he weren't able to play Elden Ring 
Understood. You know, mm-hmm. like he's, I say that because he's a gamer. Like you can't, yeah. you can't. <laughs> but basketball, I think he can go out there. Like we see athletes all the time with that type of injury. Maybe it's I don't know what it is, pain tolerance, or maybe it is fear of re-injury because they feel like they could win this game Friday. Maybe so. Um, and you know, I texted you after that game on uh, Tuesday night. I said, "Give me all." The Darius Garland oh, style. Yeah. And, you know, it reminds me, as someone who covered that entire play-in thing that happened with Morant last year, and I know Garland made the all-star team this year, so he should have maybe vaulted more into people's minds, but he hasn't really yet, you know, in in the in the way that you can if you have the big moments and totally, I do think that I, I, I is a little deja vu with it and watching him and watching him be so awesome where I was thinking to myself, man, this is, this is, this is what happened. I watched this happen last year with Morant and the Warriors. And then he had a couple outstanding playoff games after a season that was kind of up and down for him. And I do think that, yeah, you buy stock on Garland. The guy's going to be a big, big, big star. He is. It felt very similar. And I know that there's that, like, you know, because a lot of people said that about Morant this year, which was like, hey, he was good last year. But he was not regarded. You know, when you were looking at those lists of, you know, build your team best players under 24 years old or whatever else, he wasn't on that. And neither is Garland. And Garland's probably not on top of mind right now regarding that. But my sense is he will be, you know, that he's going to be one of those dudes that you're going to look at and he could take that leap to massive stardom next year. I'm like, I really you, think that. I, I do. I, I think you're right because with Garland, he, there, there's a guy, there's certain point guards, there's a prime skill. Like Russell Westbrook, downhill, attacking, you know, explosive. Um, you know, there's certain guys perimeter oriented, knockdown jump shots. With Garland, he has like just this wide range of skills that allow him to generate positive chances for his teammates. Like he had this pass, I think it was in the second half of the game. I think it was driving by Kevin Durant, and he kind of glided his way through the air, looking like he was going for a layup the whole time. Then he just did like a little reach around pass, you know, for a dump off to his teammate for a wide open layup. It was just his passing ability is at a high level, his ability to manipulate defenders. He can be that pure point for you, but then he can be that bucket getter from the perimeter who's taking pull up threes and leaning two pointers on pull ups. And like he showed the whole array of his skill set in that game against Brooklyn. And and with somebody like him, I think when you have so many skills, there's so many paths for him to become an elite player. Because you put it all together, you get what you have now, a 22-year-old who is having one of the better seasons that a point guard had this year. And he should only continue to improve. And and with the pieces around him as well, it's it's like you can look at an individual player and their own skills, but it's the way those skills interact with their teammates. Evan Mobley providing the rim protection, the perimeter defense, Isaac Okoro providing the defense that he does. Jared Allen being the screening threat. I like that the pieces just fit in Cleveland. They make sense. And, and I, regardless of win or lose tonight for that team, 
Um, I still stand by what, I, what we've talked about before, Chris. Despite how it ended, this is still a positive season for the Cavs. How can it not be? How can it not be? There's no question. They it, look. They need help on the wings, but 100%. they can. They go in yeah. the off season and they get him some wings. That's all you need. Yeah, like like, you go, Okor- like more Okoros, but with scoring. Yeah, and Okoro brings you go, the defense. You need more scoring. Man. You go pair up some wings, and you've got that. You know, because Jared Allen's still young too, and you pair up oh, that yeah. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. You're just missing a couple pieces. You get How do you a couple, like Levert? What do you think about him? I don't know if he's a great fit. I don't love Levert with as a fit. Yeah, it feels like a placeholder. Yeah, and like you want something like Levert, but bad. you know he can really score. And I don't know why he didn't decide to start to try to until too late. You know, he could score. He could get buckets, and it was too late. You know, he almost he. If you remember back in the bubble, he was like all by himself, and he almost knocked off the Portland Trailblazers by himself. I mean, this guy was a force of nature scoring the ball. It's an odd fit, you know, because of the way he plays, but he can really score. And I just, you know, I didn't think he turned it up that, uh, that until Raptors late. series, right? Like, what was it, the last game he had a, a big game? Yeah, moment? yeah, yeah. But he, um, yeah, he didn't turn it up until too late. Now, now, look, on the other side, I also texted you this. You watch Atlanta. And I, man, I, I know they're healthier now than they have been, despite the missing John Collins, which is a big loss. Um, there's five to 10 minutes fans where they just look absolutely devastating. And you're like, how, like, how did you underachieve this much? Like, you know, they're spreading the court. Trey is like impossible to stop. You know, that second half, when they came out and had the 42 points, (laughs) now part of that is, you know, Charlotte was just a disgrace coming out of the locker room. That defense was an embarrassment. Oh, my God. It's it's such a joke. I mean, that was disgusting. I mean, your whole season's on the line, and that's the level of uh, toughness and intensity you bring to the table. That was embarrassing. An utter utter embarrassment. Really? Really straight from the first possession, too, in that second half. How do you give up 42 in a quarter with the whole season on the line? I mean, that's like regular season, back-to-back, we ran into a buzzsaw BS. I don't understand. Yeah, I think it was was Trey's first assist in in the second half that I remember drove by LaMelo Ball and the, the help defense inside was like so pathetically bad where Ugh. DeAndre Hunter had the easiest cut behind their defense to get like a layup with nobody. nobody I don't think any Hornet was in the paint. I'm, I, I'm serious. If someone wants to look up the play, if I remember correctly, no Hornet was in the paint when DeAndre Hunter laid up the ball. Well, and he, like, It was he, so bad. Look, Trey puts a lot of pressure on you. He, le- he led the entire NBA. When you combine points and assists, he's the leader. So oh, yeah. he obviously can the, the do it total, both ways. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had a really I think he started that, that, out one. That was wasn't that the stat he did that at Oklahoma first NBA player to do it in college and NBA. Oh, I think that's right. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. He start I mean, and he look, he started that game like one for nine. He wasn't doing all that much, and then he really cranked it up, as did that team in the second half of that game. It's a ten point game at half. It wasn't completely out of reach. They end up winning the game by 30 friggin' points. And look, like I said, there's there's 10-minute spans where you're watching them and you're like, good. Mm. I mean, talk about being able to score. They space out the floor and 
he's putting all this pressure on you. It's like if you if you drop back, he's gonna floater you to death. If you stay up, he's gonna you know catch a screen and drive off, and then he can kick it to Herder, and Herder was knocking down shots in the corner, and it's like, man, they can pace and space this thing, and they don't really turn the ball over much either, which is huge. Tray. You know, it's huge come playoff time. It is. So many of these games can be flipped by mindless turnovers or getting a little reckless. They're not a reckless team. Um, defensively, they were atrocious, but they did crank it up, you know, against that Charlotte team. And it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. Their, their possibilities, you know, their, their ceiling is really good. I, and it's hard to, it's hard to square it with the season they had or the position they're in tonight. Now, in fairness, they kicked the crap out of Cleveland throughout the year. They're three and one against them. Trey averaged 33 and nine. <laughs> so that's tough. I mean, you'd rather, <laughs> you'd rather Trey Young not, you know, be able to average 33 and nine against your team. So it'd be fascinating to see. He had a lot of success against them this year. What kind of success and, and what kind of plan JB Bickerstaff has tonight against them? Because I, I do think there is a school of thought. You know, and sometimes he becomes almost like how you did Harden when he was with Houston, which was we're getting the ball out of his hands and we're going to make Capella make the decision. And if Clint Capella kills us, then Clint Capella kills us. You know, but what we're not going to do is let this guy just destroy us. And so I do think the game plan against Young in a one game series is very fascinating. And we do have to take into consideration. Cleveland gets this game at home, and that it could matter. You know, these playoff crowds play in crowds. I have thought have been pretty good. I, I thought amazing. Yeah, I thought the Atlanta one was great. Mm -hmm. I thought the Pelicans one was unbelievable. The Minnesota one was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look unbelievable, at these, fantastic. I mean, really, these yeah. games. You've seen these fans crank it up. And when you're watching it on TV, it feels so much bigger, so much more intense. And it's not easy. And I know Trey just did it last year to New York, and he's mm -hmm. done it on the big stage, and he kind of revels in being hated. But it, to me, especially, it's more about the home team and how jacked up they get and how inspired they get motivated. Like when that's 16 to two run happened in that Minnesota game, it felt like the damn roof was going to come off at that place. Oh, was, the, the crowd was unbelievable. And hopefully Cleveland gets a, a great crowd tonight. Um, yeah. And, and, you're, and you brought up the Trey game plan. Like, what are you going to do versus Trey Young? Um, during the regular season, they did what they typically do. A lot of drop coverage, a little bit of switching, not a lot of put pressuring to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and one interesting stat related to that, Chris, is According to Second Spectrum, Cleveland is like fairly average in terms of how often they're aggressive in the pick and roll with switch uh, with a uh, with blitzing or showing on the pick and roll. But they allow the league's worst points per chance when they do mm. one point oh six points per chance when they blitz or show 
in the pick and roll, which is a more aggressive scheme compared to dropping or switching. So they just so don't recover. It, it, it ha- yes, it has not been effective, effective for them statistically. Um, with that said, does that mean they will pull it out tonight and execute at a high level? Maybe they could. We'll see. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind for listeners of the podcast when you're watching the game tonight with the game plan Cleveland could use against Trey Young. I'd, I'd expect a lot more switching. Maybe we'll see more, an increase of switching from the Cavaliers tonight, which, again, they didn't do a lot of that during the regular season either in their matchups against Trey Young. Um, yeah, and the but, other thing you know, is if you're doing the drop thing, and hopefully they'll have Allen, is you know you want him to, even if you're going to drop, make him see that second guy at the free throw line. You know, yeah, you like bring the drop higher and yeah, lower. yeah, right. Yeah. So there's different levels not, of drop, yeah, because you can't. We know we saw it last year when teams tried to do this. If you drop all the way back, he's just going to pull up short and hit that six foot floater. He could he could hit fifty of those. Trey's a killer, man. He has like so you many gotta shots. you gotta make him see a second guy up higher. You know, that's the only way. I honestly. mean, the, the the tough thing with Trey is you know. Then, then you do that, and he can weasel by you. No, what he kick, does and then? And kick it out for a three-pointer. No, that's or, that's where the Capella thing comes in. That's the problem. The lob. What he does then is, yes. He yep. just throws. Jared yep. Allen comes up. He lobs it over his head, and Capella's running the baseline for a free dunk. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> and, and if you drop, you know, if, even if you just dropped at the free throw line, he can jack a three. If you don't that's why he's awesome. If, if you don't effectively <laughs> fight over the screen. Like, the thing with Trey this year is, he had his best year shooting from three. Like yeah. before, before this season, Trey was a below average three-point shooter. Granted, it's on a high volume, but he goes from 34% before this season to 38% this season. You'd hope something like that is sustainable for him moving forward because if he continues shooting high 30s rather than mid to low 30s from three, this, this dude's going to be, he's going to have at least one season in his life averaging over 30 points per game. It's, just, it's, it's inevitable. I, no He'll question. Uh, look, um, I do think Atlanta and Miami would be a much better series. Um, but I love JB Vickerstaff. He's a friend of the mismatch. On the show? I, yeah, I like, great. I like overachievers more than I do underachievers. And I feel bad <laughs> for the, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I hope Cleveland wins, honestly, yeah. but I'm, I'm not going to be upset. But, you know, I mean, it, well, it's not- Trey said it himself after that game. I love to put on a show. Yeah. No, it's going to be, look, they would play Miami better. They would. I just, I felt so bad for Cleveland this year because it wasn't their own doing that they became unraveled. You know, they got hit and they lost major pieces and just could not recover. And so maybe, you know, I know you said it's a success either way, but it is for them after being the four and five seed to now, be fighting for their lives just to get into the playoffs. It's tough. And so yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like the, Atlanta who, should not be playing in this game. Well, I mean, Atlanta, and, frankly, for, it's disgraceful it, that they're see, even playing in this. Like, Chris, even if Atlanta advances and then they go six against Miami, I'd consider the season more of a success for Cleveland yeah. than I would for Atlanta. That's true. That's for true. the reason we're talking about there. That's it's right. Because like, they didn't about, take a step forward either way. Yeah, it's not about the results as much as like Cleveland did take a step forward. You got Evan Mobley. You have a gem in him. Darius Garland is taking a leap to all-star status. Kevin Love became a six-man-of-the-year candidate after looking like he was washed 
suddenly he's either a contributing piece to you or he's a potential trade piece. Like they have so many good young players. Jared Allen's looking like the real deal. I don't know. I, I think for Cleveland here, this season is, is a massive success. Going 44 and 38 in a year where a lot of people thought you would suck. The fact Darius Garland goes from very, very good last year to becoming an all-star. Uh, yeah, the year is a success for the Cavs no matter what happens. In the NBA play-in tournament, there are no sure things except one. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook and you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance to the playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. And the more you bet, the bigger your bonus. So if you're doing a same-game parlay for the play-in tournament, you might pick the Hawks, you might take the over on Trey Young's scoring total, and you might also take the over on his assists. And if you're not sure what to do, you can check out the popular same-game parlays tab on FanDuel and use one that FanDuel pre-assembled. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. New to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with promo code MISMATCH to make every moment more. So don't just watch the NBA play-in tournament. Be a part of it. Bet at least $20 in same-game parlays and get an instant bonus, win or lose. 21-plus and present in select states only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. In New York. 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in Tennessee. Call redline 1-800-889-9789 in Wyoming. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit 1800 Gambler.net in West Virginia. Clips Pelicans. That's very a good one. I'm yeah, I'm very, very impressed with the T Wolves. I was. Um, 16 to 2 surge when they needed it most. You're playing a veteran team that a lot of those guys had experience, uh, well, tremendous amount of experience in the playoffs, in high leverage games. In fact, in the West Recovery Finals last year. And they've got a lead on you in the fourth quarter. I certainly would not have bet on, you know, the T Wolves being able to pull that one out. And their crowd was amazing. Uh, they were, they were great. They were absolutely great. And I do think that Towns, I know you went on with Bill, Towns going out played to their benefit because I thought it was, it put a lot of pressure <laughs> on Ty Lu because Ty Lu had an amazing game plan for the T-Wolves featuring Carl Towns. What he did not have a game plan for, despite his Bill, Bel Bill Belichickian <laughs> pedigree, was Come anything on, else. Don't compare him to Bill Belichick. <laughs> and <clears throat> Greg Popovich, you can kind of sort of compare to Bill Belichick, but not, not anybody else in the NBA. So really disappointing for the Clippers, for sure, uh, to have that lead and then to let it, let, let it go away. Nas Reed, baby. Nas Reed, baby. Nas indeed. Reed. Um, so now the Clippers are playing the Pelicans, who handled the Spurs rather easily. Uh, interestingly enough, the Pelicans mashed the Clippers during the season. They're three and one, and I think the average margin of victory was over 18 points. And that includes the final meeting, which is the most recent meeting, where the Clippers wiped the floor with them. 119 to 100. And so I don't really know what to make of it. Um, you know, the game is in 
Los Angeles. Uh, so you'll have home court advantage for the Clippers. If I, I certainly don't think that is nearly as meaningful as it was in the small market teams, you know what I mean? Or smaller market teams like New Orleans. And you saw uh, how rabid that was. Minnesota, how rabid that was. That, that's not the Clippers' environment. Uh, but they do have home court. Well, Isaac Lee will be there tonight, I'm sure. He'll yeah, be, probably. He'll, he'll make it the environment. I don't they know do have a veteran-laden team, <laughs> you know, and the Pelicans are going through this for the first time. Look, Pelicans have more talent. There's no way around it. They do. And I do think that, you know, this could be very dependent on what kind of, you know, this is George, and I know that there's the McCollum thing, but I really kind of feel like it's Ingram. Um, cause when I watch the Pelicans and the Pelicans are at their best, he is, I mean, right there at the very top of the best scorers in the league, truly. And I know it's blaspheme, but it is Durant-esque. It's all this one dribble pull up crap. And it's like, he's unstoppable. Really? When he gets on a heater. So I do think that Ingram plays, I, I, I don't want to say you can look at a stat line and decide if they won or lost, but I kind of feel like if Ingram has the the kind of game he's capable of, if we get Apex Ingram, then the Pelicans have a, a great chance to be able to move on. Did you feel like we got Apex Ingram in that Pelicans-Spurs game? Man, there was about a 10-minute span where it's like, Jesus. He had a I mean, I'm serious. Close. I watch Four, him, and I'm fourth like, fourth quarter, he closed at a high level. I yo, how too. good is this guy as a scorer? Like, it's it's crazy. He can do all manner of things, and it's just the it's the fact that when he gets going, there is no defense for it because he's so tall and he's so damn long. You can't block the jumper. You're not. So if he starts feeling it and that rim starts looking big, he's he's a really really special scorer. For sure. And, you know, they clearly got amped up by that crowd the other night. For sure. I thought that they were, uh, it was inspired effort. Uh, I don't really know what to make of this. I think the Clippers are favored in the game. Uh, but I don't know. You got any thought? You got any strong opinion on how that plays out? Clippers are favored by Clippers are favored by three and a half and just three and a half. Yeah, for and for point of reference, it looks Atlanta's two and a half. So I mean, these are both supposed to be really good games. Well, uh, what I look forward to most is Paul George versus Herb Jones. Interesting. That's what I look forward to the most because Herb Jones, uh, it it pained me. More than you realize, Chris, to leave him off my all-defensive team. It pained me so deeply. You did? I did. I left him off because he was only listed as a forward, not a guard. Like, there were so many other wings that were listed as forwards and guards. Tatum, George, like a ton of... Mikel Bridges was listed as a guard and a forward. There were a lot of guys, but Herb Jones was only listed as a forward. And I didn't put him, I'll put him on there ahead of some other guys. I, I, I would say Herb Jones is probably like the the ninth best defender in the NBA this year, something like that for all. Do you have him second team? Purposes. I did not have a second team. No, no, all defense He's, at all. I didn't have him on it. No, it pained me wow. to keep him off. I feel like a fool. And I was mm-hmm. on this guy so early on, you were on him before anybody before the NBA. I was on him on early in the NBA this year. 
as being a great player, a great young player. But the fact that he did it the other night on the national stage against the Spurs, just wreaking havoc all over the court in every way, on ball, off ball. I'm just excited for him to have an opportunity tonight on Friday to defend Paul George one-on-one. Like We're going to see it. And we're going to see Herb Jones show what he's capable of doing as a defender. And I'm just excited for that experience. And it's a tricky assignment too, right? Because he is one... Paul George is very good at getting fouls called on you. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good. So that's why it becomes very a tricky... Very smart score. Yep. Becomes a tricky assignment. And at that moment, let's just say, we think that there's a neutralization or at least... uh that he could do a good job on George, not having George go, you know, supernova. If that's so, it's a lot on Reggie Jackson, who has had big moments in big games, you know? But it is. It's a lot on Reggie Jackson because you're trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be scoring for this team? And he was, frankly, pretty good in the Minnesota game. Reggie was. And we know that playoff run he had last year. It was like, what? who is this guy? Reggie Jackson was really good for them. And so if you're going to use Herb Jones on George, then I do think Jackson has to be very good. You might see him on Jackson, too. Might. Might see him across the board. You might see he him can't, He can't guard every. He can't guard every player. Not all at once, no. That's <laughs> thus the issue. That's yeah. the issue, right? If he could guard every player, they would be a devastating defense. But unfortunately, they're not a devastating defense. Well, they, he can't they, guard every single player. Second half of the year, they've been way better, though. They've been way better in recent months on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, so I, I, I think I, for New Orleans, you're selling you're selling me a tough one, Kev. I just I I just yeah. I just watch a team have the literally the fourth most points in NBA history in a quarter against them a week ago. I I understand, but they were they were a top ten defense after the All Star break. Granted, you know, it, it's it's a small sample, you know, twenty twenty five games. It, they were a top 10 defense. So I, I think with them, they do deserve credit there for their progress since the break with how they have improved progressively over the course of the year. I mean, they're not a lockdown defense. They're not an elite defense, but they've been, they've been good. They've been better. So, I mean, with that in mind, it's just, it's, it, it stems from Herb Jones. I mean, he, he, it stems from him and how his greatness. The one thing is the Clippers have the goods to be able to play Valanciunas off the court. You know, um, and Valentunas big weapon for them. So it'll be interesting to see can Valentunas stay on the court and be really good for them because they will try to target him and they will try to play him off the court. And then at that point, is it Jackson Hayes? What are they doing? Because um, that's what they do. That's what they do. If you're going to run a big guy out there that they think they can try to put try to put into every single pick and roll try to put pressure on them, they'll do it. Because Valentunas is amazing on the offensive end. He's great. And he was great in that game. Um, shooting threes Clipper, now, Chris. Huh? Shoot, shooting threes now. He shot, uh, interestingly enough, two of those games against the Clippers, he went nuclear from three. Mm-hmm. The last one, he yep. didn't shoot a three, I don't think. But those first two, he had like big three-point numbers where he was helping them space out the floor. I told you that happened. I told you. Well, it, I mean, how many did he make all year? 57. You told me what? It, they play 82 games, Kevin. 
He made 57 threes. I don't know. I don't know. What, what did you tell you me? Before the season? I, yeah, I bet he hit more last year. I think it was on. No, he did not. Last he didn't season, hit 57? Last season, he had 21. 21? Yeah, so he last season with Memphis, he was uh, 0.9 attempts per game. This year is 2.1 per game. Wow. 50-something is not a lot. I thought he had more last year. He, he increased it. I mean, I think he'll continue to increase it. This is going to be a trend with any 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 big man who has a mid-range jumper. They're going to inevitably be shooting threes at a high level or not. I don't know, but they're going to try to. Like that's that's one thing with the guy Mark Williams from yep. Duke this year. He shot like six jumpers. I think he made four of them, and he's like a solid free throw shooter. His form looks good, and everybody talks about him as kind of a like a screen and roll guy. But I'm wondering if there's if there's gonna be like a potential for him to become a three point spot up shooter because he has good touch. So maybe uh, who is the guy we like so much? Who actually was good despite nobody. You know, it's kind of like a tree falls in the woods stuff. Uh, Wendell Carter. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, Wendell Carter was knocking down shots too. Remember, unfortunately, uh, he was in he was in Orlando, so it's like it doesn't happen. Remember when Jim Boylan wasn't letting him shoot threes? <laughs> Jim Boylan was like locking his team out of practice facilities, making them use like employee cards, like they were, you know, a team of janitors. They have to clock in to get into the facility. It's ridiculous. The thing with Wendell Carter, though, is I mean, he's still not shooting threes like at you know great level. He's thirty percent for his career. He's had some moments. I think it got a little better though. I think it got a little better as the season went on. He did. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, Pell's clips. Who do you think of those gives the Suns, I'm saying, could win a game or two? I mean, I know the Clippers won two games in the West Finals last year, even though they got mopped in the last game. But who do you think would give Phoenix a better run? Probably the Clippers. Whoever's getting their star back, Zion or Kawhi, whoever's coming back, that's that's my choice. Because we see a video of Zion doing a 360 dunk. Come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, if you're a fan of that team, wouldn't I, I, I would be incensed. I would. Do you think the Pelicans... I just don't, just don't show the damn... Like, you, you're doing it. You, they're doing it, you know. He's doing it in front of people, and he knows the camera is on him, and he knows that's going to get sent out. He knows that. Right. Do you think? Do you think it's the Pelicans that don't want him back right now? I have no idea, but it's I mean, like, like, that's a theory. Just a theory. Like, like, just we're just talking, not nothing about you know what we're hearing or reporting. Just speculating. I, I don't know. Do you, I don't is, understand. Is it the, the Pelicans don't want him to play right now because they don't want to risk further injury that would impact next season because they know they're going to get their destroyed yep. by Phoenix. Right. So rest them and. Lose and get the experience with the young guys you have. That's fine. I wonder if that's the mindset. Wait, I just hey, wonder. look, it should be the messaging. There's nothing stopping you from saying that, and it's I agree. Why? That, I completely agree. Yep. understandable. It's hundred. That is completely under. What I don't want to see as a fan is a guy doing a damn three sixty dunk. If I'm watching last year, like let's say the last year, right? That Jared Jackson Jr. came back for the last fifteen games of the season. And then the play-in and then the playoffs, right? But if I would have seen a video of Jaron Jackson Jr. doing everything, you know what I mean, like spectacular things on the court, it it, it would have bothered me to no end, even if they said we're holding him out. Because I'm like, geez, man, like just don't show me, you know, him 
looking like he could help us in a monster way right now because he's doing these explosive things. That's the difference. It's not a guy just out there shooting around. It's a guy doing a damn 360. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's the difference to me. I'll take the guy shooting around or the guy, you know, doing some workout drills with a trainer beforehand. But, like, a friggin' dunk contest dunk? Like, bro, I don't need to see that with the guy sitting I out. I know. And he did I don't need to see that with the guy sitting out. I'm sorry. And, and look, Pelicans may get mad at that all they want. I know there's a, a, a segment of the psychos that get mad about everything you say about the Pelicans, but here's the truth. That guy, I'd say it about literally any player that was that, that was the case with. Anybody. It ain't about the Pelicans. It ain't about Zion. I don't want to see guys doing 360 dunk contest dunks that aren't playing. Just don't, just do it in the private. Unless he's close. Unless yeah, he actually I, yeah, does come back. Th- then, then you understand. But you, your, your point is you want the communication and you want, you want to know that's coming. Well, and they, their messaging on it has been abhorrent from the very beginning. Come on, bro. Yeah. Nobody can deny that. Oh, yeah. They um, said Pel- at the beginning Pelicans, of the season Pelicans. he'd be ready for training camp. Pelicans fans know that. They know. They, they never anybody. announced a surgery, and then they announced the surgery, and then they said he'd be ready for training camp, and then they said he'd be ready for the regular season, and then there was the sentiment that maybe Christmas, and it's like, oh, now we're in friggin' April, and he's doing three sixties, and he's not playing. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't understand. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, and and I mean, look, it's if all they do strong. advance. If they if they do advance, I hope we see him. It'd be really cool. It'd be awesome. It'd be great. I love. The oh my god! Zion. If Zion Williamson showed up against the Suns, and now we got a series. Yeah, because they would need him to have a series. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, th- my my theory though is that they just don't want him to play. Maybe Probably. he wants to play. Maybe he wants to play, and why he posted the video himself on Instagram weeks ago. Why he's doing the three sixties with he knows cameras are out there because they're always and out that there. does happen and and the Pelicans probably are like we want you to rest because also like the other thing I say is he still looks heavy I'm just being honest he does look a bit heavy right now and if you're the Pelicans I you want him to be in the best shape of his life to assure that he is not going to suffer another injury especially Again, if they feel me and you totally same thing. I agree with that 100%. You just want the message. You want the clarity, the transparency. Just say yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he's not ready. We, this is, like, it's very easy messaging. Our commitment to Zion Williamson and our hopes for Zion Williamson are not short-term. Bingo. This, this long is long-term. Term. Yeah, exactly. It's You look at our foundation now. We want to capitalize on this next season and come back and win a championship. Like, that's what you want. That's, that's the mindset. It's very easy. Very easy. Because God You're forbid right. we put him out there against the friggin' Clippers tonight and he hurt something. No kidding. What and the hell? hurts you next season. Then, then, yeah. then you're fighting for the play-in again next April because he's out to the start of next season yeah. because of injury is, suffered in this game. This is a long-term thing. Exactly. That's it. Pretty easy. We should, uh, we should do PR for the Pelicans. This is Don't not a short-term relationship. This is long-term. Love it, Chris. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. 
We got a lot of playoff games. So we don't know who Miami's playing. We don't know who Phoenix is playing. Though, you know, don't think either of them is at risk of losing. Um, let's go through the other series that are going to take place. We'll just take them one by one and give our quick thoughts on these before they begin. Because Lord knows, during the playoffs, we are going to be talking about these um, in a, a very specific way. So just going into these series, uh, we'll start with Saturday. First playoff game we are going to get is Utah at Dallas. And no it certainly appears as if it all hinges on the availability of one guy for how much of the series, right? Is that fair? Yeah, it's definitely fair. <laughs> if you don't have Luca, no chance. You might be in trouble. Would you say no chance? Or without is there, him, I'm just I'm just asking the question. I say no chance, but I'm asking you. Can Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, as your primary creators in that offense, with all the spacing that they have, do enough in games one and maybe game two to get Luca back? That, that's, that's that's what I'm thinking about. My I haven't thought about can, this a can lot. Can you split? Uh, my, my gut reaction is um, absolutely not. Interesting. No, bro, you cannot win with it. They're not winning without him. No, not the series. A game. How? how? Why not? Dinwiddie can go off for 35. <laughs> what? In a playoff game? Yeah, why not? With Bill Russell manning the center position? <laughs> you son of a bitch, by the way. <laughs> Putting him number one in defensive player of the year. I should fight you. If I, hey, just like, <laughs> wait, hey, Wayne, ain't, wait, hey, Wayne Ellington is not the only one that should have tweeted, when I see you, it's on site, or I'm, I'm throwing ha- its hands or something. What do you say to, yeah. <laughs> to a, little, a little compazzo? I got a lot of those messages this week. Yeah. So look, Spencer Dinwiddie is not scoring thirty five in a play with no Luca in a playoff game against the Utah Jazz. Well, okay. Here's the thing. This <laughs> this, this this ties to why Gobert is Defensive Player of the Year. This defense <laughs> sucks without him. This team sucks without him. They're the number. They 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 allowed only one hundred four point. 104.5 points per 100 possessions this season. Number one in the NBA with Gobert on the floor. 112.3 defensive rating with Gobert off the floor, which would have ranked 20th. And just for reference here, like Mikel Bridges, the Suns were 106.9. With Marcus Smart on the floor, the Celtics were 105.2. With Bam Adebayo on the floor, the Heat were 104.9. The, the Jazz were the elite of the elite Hold on. Bear on the floor. Right, so wait, gonna... wait, 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 wait. I'm getting. I'm this not talking. About... Wait, 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 wait. We're, I'm talking about the series here. I'm bringing tying it to that with Gobert. If you, you might not win a lot of minutes with Gobert on the floor, you might not be able to, like you said, the French Bill Russell. You might not be able to get buckets. But when he's off the floor, that's where the Mavs have an opportunity to win the minutes. And if you can win those 12 to 15 minutes in games one and two. Possibly. We don't know if Luca's out for sure yet, but let's just assume he's out the first two games. That's your opportunity to strike, is anytime he's off the court. And that's where I'm intrigued about what Dallas can do by plugging Dinwiddie and Brunson into the Luca role early in the series, maybe split. 
and then Luca comes back and you get a shot. Okay. So I, I I don't I don't think it's impossible without him to start the series. I know you cited what they can do with Gobert off the floor, and then you cited what they have done with Gobert off the floor this year as a reason like, hey, look how good they are with him on the floor. Look at how good with him off the floor. And look at how bad they are with him off the floor. What's unfair about that is you've got to tell me who's on the floor when he's not. And if it's a monstrous downgrade and they have no ability to play small and their backup center stinks and is not a deterrent, then it's not as big a deal if the if, if they're amazing with the guy. No, I was, saying, I was saying that about Not amazing the, without no, 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 no. it. Chris, I'm talking about the series. I wasn't talking about that. But you said you said that one of the reasons he's defensive player of the year no, no, is because here's about, what they give up. No, 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 no. That's, I don't know. No, no. I, let me make this clear. I was saying I was giving those numbers for context of who they are when he's on the court. That that's what matters. Who who they are when he's off the court. That's 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 about the series. That's what I'm talking about. That's not about defensive player. That's about the series itself. Like that's your opportunity. That they might be. You're right. Like it's going to be a challenge anytime he's on the court. But when he's off the court, that's your opportunity for Dallas. That's all I'm saying. All right, I'm not, my opinion that, would that be, wasn't the, that wasn't a defensive player of the year thing. They have absolutely zero chance without Luca. I think it's a seven game series with well, Luca. But, but he's gonna be back at, at some point. That's, so what, that's what I'm saying. Like if, yeah. it, you're saying if he's out for a game, they can't win. They can't win. Just why not? No. Why can't Why can't they fall down two zero and come back? No. I didn't say they can't win with him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, of course, but he will be back at some point. Yeah, and as long as he's back, again, I think with him, it's a seven-game series. Oh, I think it's so a you long... Think, you, yeah. you think he, even with him, this goes seven? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So if he's fully healthy, he never had that injury. You'd still pick this to go seven? Yes. Wow, I'm, su- I'm surprised, honestly, Chris. Why? It's bad, like... Dallas has been unbelievable. Utah has not recently. Not, yeah, I'm not. Simple, I'm not simple doing, as that. It's look. It's recent. It, it, I do. I do think that's very capable of being recency bias. I look at it and I say, when you have, when so much is contingent upon one guy's level of success, and that is so with Dallas because of the insanely high usage rate, right? Like that, he is their team. It's the same that goes with Jokic. Ain't winning nothing without Jokic. Like it, it's their team's built around it. It's really what it's built around. It's how the team functions. And so I would tell you that you got a good coach on the other side of Quinn Snyder, and you've got veteran guys that have been in a lot of playoff games on the other side. And I think game planning for a series against teams that are very highly reliant upon one player. Rosillo chronicled this a couple weeks ago on his pod about what we've learned about usage rates and playoff success. It's very difficult when so much is on one guy. That's why they, and they'll continue to search for, you know, a wingman to take a little pressure off. And it didn't work with Porzingis and they'll inevitably try to find another one. But when you have one guy that everything is so dependent upon, I think it's easier to game plan against than it is when you've got 
Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Bogdanovich and Gobert. And I know they have fractured. I know they've been really bad down the stretch. The Mavs also kicked their ass in I know. the last two games that they played. Granted, Gobert didn't play in one of them. I know. I know. I'm just saying, I, I think it's different. Some of these teams are different when you can game plan against them. And I think that Utah's shown to be able to play play teams tough, even if they have, you know, they do have some Achilles heels. Um, I just think that they gotta have Luca. I do gotta have. I'm I'm not with you there. I'm picking Dallas on the series. Okay, I mean, we'll, and the, I don't know the amount of games. Like it depends on when Luca gets back, but I'm picking them to win the series. Okay, I, I think. I, okay, I, okay. I, let, I me, wish, let me let me let me refresh this. If he doesn't play in six of the games, they won't win. That's what I'll okay. say. That's fair. That's fair. That's what I'll say. I, I would anticipate him back for game two. Yeah, if he can play in six of the games, I think Dallas can beat him. Yeah. For sure. They'll get game, that game seven will be in Dallas. Yeah, that, that's the way I'm kind of operating Like when I'm thinking about that series. I assume Luke is back for game two. It's not something that goes away, though. It's always scary. Groins, hamstrings, calves. Muscle injuries. And by me. the way, by the way, the other factor here, a 10 a.m. start on Saturday, those yeah. afternoon, met, met, like, uh, those are weird games. 10 a.m. Pacific. Like, that's a weird start time where those games have some weird results, regardless of who's on the court. Fair. It's just an- it's another small factor on my mind about how Dallas, without Luka, could still pull out a win. Because it's one game, and you have other talented ball handlers on your roster now that you can at least survive and compete and generate open shot opportunities, even if it's not as a result of Luca being the the elite talent that he is. That's fair. Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. The team they call the Timberwolves is playing at Memphis tomorrow. Thoughts on Memphis, Minnesota? How scared are you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to be honest with you. I was very surprised at the Vegas thing. They're the second biggest favorite. Memphis. Which is shocking to me. Yeah. Shocking to me. I maybe I just I don't know. Um I think I think Minnesota's a dangerous team that for, they do have some tough matchups for the Grizzlies. I do not think Memphis is going to lose the series to them. But could I see it? Going longer than seemingly many have predicted. I think. Uh, I think the most likely scenario, according to Vegas, is Grizzlies in five games. Um, I, I think Memphis is the better team. They have proven that throughout the entire year. But playoffs can sometimes become about matchups. And if the Timberwolves want to, you know, if they won two games, it would not shock me. Um, and the and the series goes six. I would be shocked if Memphis lost for sure. I would. Um, but they do have some, they do have some tough matchups, you know, with Vanderbilt and, uh, did, did a good job on Jackson Towns. You know, Anthony Edwards is, is obviously unbelievable and was great in that play in game. Pat Bev scares me to death just in terms of the injury factor for who he'll be guarding, as I told you. Um, and they, uh, they got guys that can put it in the basket for sure. And I think it will be hard for them to win in Memphis. But if they got a game or two in Minnesota, 
it would not shock me. I thought that crowd was unbelievable the other night. You're mostly worried about Patrick Beverly versus John Morant. That is the, yeah. yeah. And it's not the defense. It's the, it's the bull crap. Yeah. He pushed him from behind earlier this year. And then Ja got banged up in the second game they played against, uh, in one of the other games they played against him too. You know, now in fairness, the four games they played this year, Dylan Brooks played in none of them. And he is clearly the guy best equipped to deal with Edwards because of his size on the wing and his tenacity. How about Zaire so Williams? That, that is a big thing. That is a big thing because Edwards has had some just monster efforts against the Grizzlies in the past. And, how, and how, D'Angelo how Russell was like prime Steph Curry against Memphis in the four games this year. So they got they got some things that they had some they had some really good games against the Grizzlies this year. Uh, I don't think they could beat them over the course of a series, but I I I do think it'll be more competitive than maybe something. Who does I Zyre hope Memphis wipes the floor with them? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know if that's going to be so though. I told you, I told you months ago, people could go find the recording that I thought Minnesota was dangerous for anybody. And that's when I thought there was no chance the Grizzlies would face them in the, in the playoffs. And I told you, I thought they were dangerous. It's just because of that. They got three, four guys that could go for 30 or 40. Like, you know, Beasley can catch a heater from three. And obviously D'Lo, Towns and, and Edwards. Can all be your leading scorer. You know, teams like that, you never know. On one night, they could just, they can have one of those guys that becomes a supernova. It'll be interesting to see how Taylor Jenkins, you mentioned having Dylan Brooks back for those matchups is going to be very important. Where that puts Zaire Williams in terms of matchups, because, you know, during the regular season, it was a lot of jaw on Pat Bev, as you'd expect, but it was Desmond Bain. Williams won't play much. I mean, it, he won't. It, was, it was Bane defending Edwards a lot during the regular season. Right. So, you're, so you're not expecting a lot of Williams nope. in the series then? No, nope. nope. it, it's going to be too big for him. You think so? Yep. Yes. So how, how, does, how does Jenkins trim the rotation in, in this case then? Because during the regular season... You he'll, know, still play, he'll still play guys. I mean, it's not like he won't play minutes. They just won't be significant minutes. Jaws going to play huge minutes. Jackson will play huge back. These guys, you go look up and down the Grizzlies roster. They don't play a lot of minutes throughout the year. So there's a lot of guys who yeah. get minutes. They got a lot of guys that get a lot of minutes. That's what'll get trimmed down. So you're gonna see, you know, instead of maybe a 20 minute side of Tyus Jones, you're gonna see 10, you know, and Jal have 38 or 35 minutes that he plays, and uh, and on down the line, you know, I do think. So, so who gets cut from the rotation? You got you got Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams. I think ja, you'll see a lot. Bain, I, Tyus Jones, Melton, Anderson. All right. Ty, you'll see Tyus Conchar. Jones. Conchar. Is, is it like a Conchar yes. or Williams or Clark, depending on the matchup, as that last guy in the Clark rotation? will pay a ton. Okay. In Clark this series, especially. Yeah, this Minnesota. series. Yes. Yeah, this series. That makes because sense. their small ball lineup is Jackson and Clark in the front court, and they need it against Minnesota. And they'll use it. 100% they'll use it. That, that he, he'll play. He'll, he'll be significant. Melton will be significant as a wing, for sure. Um, I think you're going to see, yeah, not as many minutes for Williams, not as many minutes for Conchar, despite the fact that Conchar, in one of the Minnesota games, had 17 
friggin' rebound. Uh, Conchar is crazy. One game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know what's going to be fun? What I want to see? I want to see John Conchar and Jared Vanderbilt battle for a rebound. <laughs> That's what I want to see during this series. Yeah. Those those two guys could rebound the shit out of the ball, can't they? Both. Aren't they? they because you know what? You know what it is? <laughs> they both go after everything. Yeah. Yeah, they do. That's the thing. Yeah. They go after it, and most guys don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you go after every rebound, you're going to get your share. You know? What do you think? You think Minnesota and Memphis, you think, you think I should be scared? No. I'm not scared. I think you I think you should always be a little on edge uh when it comes to playoff basketball. But scared? No. I, I think I think the Grizzlies are are a great team, a deep team, and Taylor Jenkins has a lot of different lineups at at his disposal to utilize. You can go with the two bigs of the Adams and Jackson Jr. If you feel like it's in a situation where maybe you you want Carl Anthony Towns to have to defend Jaron Jackson Jr. on the perimeter rather than having him defend Steven Adams like he did during the season. In that case, maybe you're good on JJJ at the five. And so I, I think the lineup flexibility that Jenkins has will be of a great benefit in this series over Minnesota. Raptors Sixers. I'm excited. Part of me wants to pick Toronto to win the series, but we're talking, you mentioned the word recency bias earlier. How much of that is recency bias for me with the poor performances from James Harden, uh, you know, versus the Raptors thriving, playing the best that they have? What do uh, they do that, with MB? Seriously. I mean, he's going to have 40 and 20? I mean, Toronto's going to pressure. They're going to double sometimes. They're going to make other guys beat them. That's what you're going to see a lot of. Do you, Even do you if think they the, double do you, this guy, like, they don't have size. Do you think so? One thing Toronto doesn't so, really bring to the table. So, you, so you, you're leaning towards Sixers here then to win the series. <laughs> I just think that. He is the problem. I know he is. He's yeah. going to beat. He's unbelievable. Well, and, 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 and like there's, you know, there's some of these series where you got you got real stuff to throw at him. That they're they're slight anyway. Some of their big guys. I just think he's a particularly horrible matchup problem for them, and I think the Sixers know that. I mean, I just don't know. They don't. It's the one thing, you know, they got, they got guys, perimeter guys. And I'm not saying that they're going to get wiped with. I'm just saying, I, I fear that when you go into a series and you say, all right, who's going to be the player of this series? I see like no chance it's not Embiid. And if that's the case, I think they, I think they're able to handle Toronto. Not that Toronto can't win a couple games from them. Or not that it can't be a long series. I'm just saying, when I don't see what the hell the answer is for him with them. Really. He's just, they got nobody big. Who do they have to throw at him? Yeah, so what, what they did versus, I think it's worth thinking about what Toronto did versus other bigs throughout the season. Whether it was Embiid or Jokic or whoever. They, against the Jokic matchup, I believe it was, I think in March, they switched it up. They had different guys defending him all the time. Sometimes they're doubling and pressuring. The timing was different on their doubles, constantly changing up, changing up what they were doing on defense. But it was always pressure. Uh, you're going to see that against Philadelphia throughout the series. And that that coaching edge the Raptors have with Nick Nurse, um, you know, with, with all the talent that they have, they might not have a true big, 
but they have a lot of long arm players, and they make the, they shrink the floor with the amount of size they have on that defense. So in that in that sense, they have a lot of size, just not a lot of height. If that and I I, I don't I don't think you can rule them out beating <laughs> Philadelphia. But to me, to me, Chris, this all comes down to not Embiid. You know, Embiid's gonna get it. He always does. Embiid's unbelievable. He's an MVP candidate for a reason. He's an All NBA guy for a reason. But it's about James Harden. It's about Harden. If Harden can get back to the guy that we saw in those first few games for Philadelphia, the Sixers can win a championship. If he doesn't, they're, they're, they might not win the and first this round. This is the title. Look, I don't think they're beating Miami anyway, but I do think that I trust Embiid and I trust Maxi. And I think it's enough. And I know I think that's that we can you, talk you about need, theoretically them Harden. bringing. They need Harden. They I know. Harden. I know we can talk about them theoretically bringing doubles on Embiid or whatever. It's not like, I mean, come on. This guy got double teamed the whole damn year. And the other thing is when the ball comes off the rim, he get he's going to get it because they don't have any. I mean, they just don't have size. They don't have size. It's the one thing they don't have. And playoffs become, you know, slow down game anyway. I just, I don't know. That's that's where I stand on it. I don't think it's going to be a short series, but I'd be stunned if Toronto was able to beat them. But you'd be stunned. Like I mean, I, that just, would be. So like we were just talking about Minnesota, Memphis, and some of these other ser- series, right? Mm-hmm. And about being stunned, shocked, scared, whatever. Yeah. You'd just be straight stunned if the Raptors won. If they won the series, yeah. Straight and stunned. knocked him out, and, and 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 I'm saying this is somebody who, after the trade, picked the Sixers to go to the finals. As soon as that Harden deal happened, that was my prediction. I've changed. Yeah, I'd be, I guess clearly I'm I've very, changed. I would be very surprised. Yes, yes. Hmm. Playoffs are a different under, deal. I, th- I think he and, might be underrating the Raptors. So, who's the best player for them in the series? If you if you envision them winning the series. And don't do the whole, it's a collection of everybody. Who's the guy? It's Pascal Siakam. He was averaging like 26 points per game with a ton of assists, a ton of rebounds, scoring from the mid-range, playmaking, playing great defense. Last three, four months of the year have been the best of his entire life. And I think it's totally fair, right? That, no, that's totally fair answer. We got breaking news. We got breaking news. All right, hold on. That's totally fair. Let me just say, I agree with you. Fine. It's Siakam. I trust Embiid more than I do Siakam. Therefore, that's why I feel the way I do. What's the breaking news? Uh, so I got a text message during this podcast, and now Woj just tweeted it out. Clipper star Paul George has entered health and safety protocol. No. Tonight's playing game against New Orleans. No. Yeah. I got a text 10 minutes ago saying, hey, heard the Clippers got positive tests. Have you heard anything on that? And I texted him back saying, no. I followed up with a couple people during the recording. Then the Woj tweet just came out. Just Come out loud. with a cape on, Kawhi. Oh, <laughs> Save the day. Kawhi Leonard. So the texts I got said COVID positives, like as in more than one. So there Ugh. might be more stuff coming. That's terrible. This shit sucks, man. That's All right. So, so uh, yeah. Jeez Louise. All right. Let's, and, let's... and you know what? Like you in, And you know how it is now. It's now three, four months since a lot of people got boosters. This is going to be a thing in the postseason. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Maybe I mean, not they just often. played Minnesota two nights ago. Yeah. What what I think what the best teams are going to do, uh, not that anybody wants to do this, but the best teams are going to be the teams that aren't going out 
the, the best teams are going to be the ones that are wearing masks everywhere. Like, I mean, it's just the truth. Like, if the, if the teams that don't have COVID positives wow. are going to be the teams that are, you know, going into that zone again, which is uh, not something I want to do. But I got to be honest with you. I, I don't even think everybody's doing daily testing anymore. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, they did change the testing protocols a while ago. Yeah. Used to be you had to always be sending in negatives all the time. Now you got, you know, all manner of people maskless close to yeah, the court. And what is, it, is it asymptomatic? Isn't yeah. required anymore? Maybe so. Uh, I don't know. Wow. I, yeah, it's wow. just too bad. I can't believe Paul George. That's brutal. I know. All right. Uh, well, that that sure as hell is a good thing for the Pelicans tonight. Yep. Wish. Uh, what, what was that spread you said? Three point five. Yeah, right. Three and a half, right. No, that you know that's off the board. That, that line has moved already. Yep. <laughs> uh, Nuggets at Warriors. Nuggets Warriors. Um, uh, different styles here. You talked about size difference in Toronto versus Philadelphia. Similar thing here with Jokic. Go against going against the Warriors. I look and I forward think, to seeing the way. I they think I think Jokic, much like the MB thing, is like, hey, are are we gonna run two at him, or are we just gonna he gets what he gets, and the other guys aren't gonna kill us? Yeah, that's the choice you make, right? And I do think there's there is a school of thought on Jokic, like, yeah, he's gonna go huge, he goes huge, but these other guys, we're staying at home on, and we're not gonna let them beat us. And if he has to go for 50 points, he goes for 50 points. But the other guys aren't going to add up to 60 points. And as long as we do that, we can win 110, 106 or whatever, right? Um, I mean, if Murray comes back, you'd give the, you'd give the Nuggets a puncher's chance. They do have a very good home court in Denver. So I don't want to act like they're going to get the floor wiped. I do think Denver could win a couple games in this series just on the back of Jokic and the home court. But they would need Murray to have anything more than a, than, you know, to have a real chance at winning the series. Um, the other two, Net Celtics. Word came down yesterday, Ben Simmons targeting, coming back late in the series. Do you buy that? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much stuff out there. Would it change Simmons. your opinion on the series? I mean, uh, you know what I would say is with Ben Simmons, uh, I would uh, I would expect the opposite of whatever Steve Nash says. After he said, we will not trade James Harden. 24 right. hours later, we will trade James Harden. <laughs> He's doing only one on, one of the sprinting. Actually, it's probably more like five on five. <laughs> if I told you they <laughs> got Ben... That's the way I'm operating. If I told you they got Ben Simmons for three of the games, does it change your opinion on the game? Honestly, Ben Simmons wouldn't change my opinion on the series. He wouldn't. No, I mean you like in theory. He oh, does. he would mind. It, it, but in theory, a year plus removed from playing with a back injury and a new system with new teammates, that that is a big variable that uh, I don't really know how to register there without any 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 time playing an actual game action. How about Time Lord? If I told you he's coming back, would it change your opinion? Yes. It would increase my confidence in Boston because you know what you're going to get from from Time Lord with Robert Williams, the defensive player that he is. With Ben Simmons, I, I like maybe if you get if you tell me 
exactly the type of Ben Simmons we're getting, then I'll give you an idea. But we don't know. Is he going to be a 30-minute-per-game guy right away? Is he going to be playing 15 minutes off the bench and, and busting his ass on defense and defending Tatum for some major minutes? Who's closing games? Is it Bruce Brown? Who is it, Ben Simmons? It's just a lot of questions I have about the return of Simmons in this series. But they need him. With that said, they need him. It's just I'm not sure what the impact will be. I don't even know if he'll be closing. They, uh, they both got two dynamite scorers and then, like, supporting casts. All right, right? That they got Kyrie and Durant, and they got Tatum and Brown. And, I mean, it shouldn't be as simple as you could just add up, you know, the scores of those guys. You know, you, but we saw in that last game they played against each other, that was the Tatum, what was it, 54 that he had? And Durant had a great game too. And it was like those guys going at it. Durant's talked about him being an heir apparent for him many, many times, this would be a monster moment for Tatum. That's a huge storyline to me in this, right? Because you saw him, that felt big when it happened during the season with the 54 against Brooklyn and him going mano y mano, shot for shot with Durant. You know? Um, I think it's going to be long series, don't you? I don't think Boston's yeah, going to wipe the floor with them. And Yeah, I don't either. It's going to be a long series would be my expectation as well. Uh, I, right now, I'd pick Boston in six. Um, but that like I could be easily swayed to Yeah, I think seven. it's a seven-game series. Yeah, and, it wouldn't shock me one bit. And if they have, I, 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 yeah, honestly, that Ben Simmons thing and the Rob Williams thing is, I think, both so big that uh, as the series goes on, it will be easier to determine how you think it plays out, dude. Uh, but dude, but dude, I can't wait to watch Ben Simmons with that group. I'm oh, so yeah. excited. Like I am, I am genuinely fired up about watching Ben Simmons play with Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. You're, you're going to see the best version of Ben Simmons that you've ever seen on paper. I hope, I hope we see it in reality, though. Bucks Bulls. It feels like one of those where like Bulls might get Game Three just because it's the first home playoff game, but. Anything more than one win in that series, I'd be surprised, honestly. Really? Any more than one for the Bulls? Yeah. 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 If they, they, won, they, if they won more than one game, I'd be surprised. Which I just don't see it. They don't beat anybody good. I feel the same way, which is a shame considering the fun year that they had, the year DeRozan had. Yeah, I... I, I don't really, I, I don't have much hope for them. And nobody has a good matchup for Giannis, but they really don't have anything for him. Oh, yeah. Good good luck to Patrick Williams. You boost. And, uh, and, and, and maybe a little Tristan Thompson out there. <laughs> I mean, you get, you get, get, uh, hey, they're going to be calling on Tony Bradley go out there to get dunked on. You know, it's tough. I can't wait for all these games. Playoffs are going to begin this week. We are going to be back on Tuesday. And by that point, we're going to have some real results and uh, some series that have started that we can talk about. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kev, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. Everybody have a good weekend for the, the Clippers fans. Sorry about no Paul George for the OKC fans. Hey, man, might be getting another lottery pick.